0: Hey, everybody. What you are about to listen to is an episode of Am I Dying? Here at Offscript, we've taken the Am I Dying show, put a twist on it, and created the new Is It Serious podcast with Dr. Mark Lewis and Dr. Jean-Luc Neptune. Think of it this way. The Am I Dying docs discuss lots of symptoms, while the Is It Serious docs answer lots of questions. And all of the episodes are here on this feed for your listening pleasure. For new episodes, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening.
1: Chris, should we be getting to the basics of reflux and stuff? I'm letting you steer the ship here, bud. What do I know about this ship? You're steering whether you like to be or not. But now I'm all freaked out. I don't even want to eat anything. I might actually lose weight now.
2: (laughs) That seems unlikely. (laughs) That's true. From Offscript Media, this is Am I Dying? A conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. I'm Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. We're doctors who just happen to be close friends and we're ready to answer the vital question should you chill out or freak out
1: we're here today with the world famous dr jonathan aviv he is one of the top ent which is ears nose and throat doctors in the country uh, a lot of you might know him because he's also a very famous author Uh, So it's the Acid Watcher Diet, a 28-day reflux prevention and healing program. And he recently came out with the cookbook. It's called the Acid Watcher Cookbook, uh, which he actually wrote with the great Samira Aviv.
0: Hello, Dr. Aviv. Hello. Thank you both, Dr. Eisenberg and Dr. Kelly, for this great honor. We are so honored to have you join us, and we're excited to learn
2: Everything there is to know about acid reflux and how to control it, a common problem that I think uh, most of our listeners have faced at some point in their lives.
1: Yeah, reflux. uh, It's also, a lot of people might know it by heartburn. And what are some of the other names that people call this?
0: GERD, Mm. uh, LPR, which has the hard to pronounce laryngopharyngeal reflux, which I also call throat burn reflux. Mm Mm-hmm. 75 million people have acid reflux here in the United States, 1 billion worldwide. And the common notion is that acid in the stomach flies up, burns your chest, and it goes right up into your throat. That's the, the common conception of throat-related symptoms like cough, hoarseness, throat clearing. But the acidity of what you put in your mouth no one talks about, but I believe that is one of the single most important problems that happens when people don't have a lot of heartburn, but have a lot of throat symptoms. You know, just
1: to get back for a second, that was actually very interesting about when we were talking about reflux, everyone does think, you know, just to go back to the anatomy, it's the mouth, the esophagus, the stomach, and, you know, the stomach has normal acid that goes up through your esophagus and causes usually symptoms of what everyone says, heartburn or pain in your chest, but cough could also be a big presenting symptom of reflux, right?
0: Cough is the most dangerous symptom of reflux, in my opinion, for the following reasons. More than eight weeks of cough, you must have your esophagus examined. Now, it's, it's tricky because cough is the most common reason Americans see a doctor. 35 million visits a year. And most often, people think if it's not a a short duration, so it's not related to a cold, a flu or something like that, you're saying, oh, it's your allergies." So you start getting antihistamines and you start getting antihistamines before you know it for three to four years. When cough is actually an alarm symptom For esophageal cancer. And there's very, very strong data from the gastrointestinal scientific literature about this.
1: Well, how how common is esophageal cancer?
0: Yeah. Before our listeners crash their car. They're
1: They're like, I'm just wanting to know if I should be taking Tums or like Pepsi, and what the hell now I'm like going to go to bed thinking I have
0: esophageal cancer. Esophageal cancer, thankfully, is not that common. However, it is the fastest growing cancer in the United States since the mid 1970s.
1: So like all mouth and throat cancers, is it usually associated with cigarette smoking or you're saying it's more reflux and
0: acid that you eat? Such a key question. There are two types of esophageal cancer. One is called squamous cell cancer. Squamous meaning skin. It's related to smoking and drinking a lot of alcohol. And there's another type of cancer called adenocarcinoma, adeno meaning glands, and that's related to acid injury. And beginning in the 80s, they crisscrossed, and the smoking and drinking-related cancers began to abate, but the acid-related esophageal cancers began to increase. So while there are seven or eight organs ahead of esophageal cancer, the rate of esophageal cancer is growing faster, both the United States and Europe, more than any other cancer.
1: So what you're saying is Chris can go back to drinking, but he has to watch the acid in his diet.
0: Well, I'm not sure that's how I would interpret it, Mark. (laughs) But again, Mark, to that point, what alcohol is is really dangerous. And I hate to say it, but the only alcohol that's really, really dangerous is the alcohols less than pH four, meaning very very acidic. What is less than pH four? Wine. Ugh, I, was... I know, I know. What can I say? So and cardiologists for years said, "Drink two. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe I'm just not that smart.
1: Are you saying wine is good for you or bad for you? Bad. It's, it's oh the good because I don't, I don't even like wine. Like, you know, patients (laughs) always bring a bottle of wine around Christmas. I'm like, you're better off just bringing me a bottle of like Coors Light. or Well, not Coors Light. Maybe Amstel Light.
2: Such a Philistine, Mark. Who is asking his patients to bring him Coors Light instead of a nice bottle of Bordeaux? Isn't beer actually basic? Not not only culturally basic, but also on the acid scale,
0: basic? Alkaline, let's say? No. I've tested the pH of... Hundreds and hundreds of substances, and in the Acid Watcher Diet and then in the Acid Watcher Cookbook, we publish these lists. Mm -hmm. The only alcohol that's consistently below pH 4 is wine, beer, which is carbonated, is usually in the low fours, but it's fermented, right? And depending how it's fermented, it can go up to Close to five, low fours, but usually stays above four. Why do I keep bringing up pH four? So can I give 30 seconds of science? Maximum.
1: We don't really like to get into depth.
0: Let's make it 20 then. There's an enzyme in the stomach called pepsin, P-E-P-S-I-N. Pepsin lives in the stomach, breaks down protein in an acidic environment. It gets maximally activated below pH four. And here's the rub. Pepsin can float out of the stomach. It can sit in the chest and the esophagus in the lungs, in the vocal cords, in the mouth, in the sinuses, in the middle ear spaces. So when you eat or drink something less than pH 4, what you eat starts eating you, meaning causing inflammation. Thankfully, there are only six things that are less than pH 4. I call them the dirty half dozen.
1: Why dirty half dozen? If anything, you're saying they're the beneficial half dozen. No, it's the worst. The low pH is bad. And I'm afraid oh. he's about to list
2: all the things I love in my life.
0: Well, we can also call it Chris's favorite food groups. Yeah. So I divide them into two unhealthies and four healthies. The unhealthies are any flavored beverage in a can, bottle, or box. The classics, Coke, Diet Coke, Pepsi, Snapple, Red Bull, any flavored sparkling water, even flavored flat water. There was a law that was passed in 1975 by the FDA called Title 21, which said anytime time you have a beverage or a food in a can, bottle, or box, you must acidify it to prevent food poisoning. So it was a great idea. But what happened was things you wouldn't think of that shouldn't be acidic became acidic. And I'll give you one example that'll make your hair stand straight up. A banana has a pH of around six. So anything above four is not as acidic. As you get close to seven, it's considered neutral. So pH of six is fairly neutral. However, baby banana food in a jar, pH four, it's a hundred times more acidic than a natural banana. Why? When you look at the ingredients, it'll say ascorbic acid and citric acid. So our entire food supply is acidified.
1: So are you also saying all canned foods, like canned soups and stuff, are also acidified to to keep it fresh?
0: It depends. Uh, For instance, garbanzo beans, which are in a lot of our recipes, if you rinse them, you get rid of the acidity. But yes. c- canned peaches, canned tomatoes. People say, oh, I just got the best fresh canned tomatoes. I use them for my homemade tomato sauce. Well, they're already pickled. Ah, I want to hear the rest of this uh, dirty half dozen because I'm,
2: I have yes. a feeling I've eaten each of these things today. I do have a can of Coke Zero on my desk right now, which I'm nervously pushing towards the trash.
1: But I always thought it was the carbonation that causes the reflux no, with all these no, things. No,
0: no, 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 no. Really? So... Uh, getting back to the four healthies of the dirty half dozen. Citrus, tomato sauce, not tomato, vinegar, wine. So it, it would work like this. You'll start the day with uh, a glass of orange juice to go with your cup of coffee. Uh, you'll have a salad with some vinaigrette dressing. For dinner, you'll have some marinara sauce and knock back a, a couple glasses of wine. And by midnight, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This sounds horrible. And you know, I'm surprised because on your Acid Watcher cookbook, am I wrong? Is that tomato-based sauce
0: on the cover? Are you mocking us? No. Citrus, tomato sauce, vinegar can all be neutralized. And this is the essence of the Acid Watcher concept. Oh,
1: that's kind of brilliant.
0: We're bringing back the foods you were traditionally unable to have Mm -hmm. by neutralizing their acidity. So I'll give you an example. The tomato soup that's on the cover of the acid watcher diet is truly homemade. We're able to neutralize the acidity of fresh tomatoes by adding precise combinations of carrot and cucumber. Carrots are very alkaline. So if the amounts are just right, you, you get above pH four, but you still retain all the flavor. Wow.
2: Well, I'm happy because I thought that you were going to suggest that I put like four tablespoons of baking powder into everything I eat from now on. But,
0: Chris, you bring up such a great point. That is the prevailing thinking. Oh, let me just dump some of this in there. One of the things that we've tried so hard to do, both in the Acid Watcher diet and in the cookbook, is create foods and flavors that taste amazing. And to do that, we taste tested this first on our teenagers. And If you have experience with teenagers, they really don't sort of hide their emotions. If they don't like they're the the, worst. Okay. Okay. They're just
2: awful (laughs) human beings.
0: I can't go that far, but I will say that they're quite honest in their reporting back of how something tastes. If it tastes horrible, you start to see the scowl and then it's unleashed. Mm -hmm. However, on the other side, if they like it, we get a more please. Right. And this is how we built this. Gotcha.
1: So can we go back to the basics? First of all, how is coconut water? Is that okay?
0: Another great question. Coconut water is the only flavored beverage in a can or a bottle that is safe to have if you're an acid watcher. It's always above pH 4.
1: Well, first of all, what percentage of people that actually have reflux disease, it's just the the way they teach it in medical school, it's the acid in the stomach bursting
0: up. Yeah, so if you're having heartburn as a symptom, it's all symptom-driven. And you guys really emphasize this, but very, very few physicians in the wellness space emphasize What do you eat or drink? Patients come in and when I start asking what they eat or drink, they look at me like I have nine heads because no one's ever – they've been going to doctors for 35 years. No one's asking them what they eat or drink. And the corollary, they never tell their physicians what they eat or drink. So Mm -hmm. how are you going to make an intervention if you don't even know the baseline? From now on, carrots and water
2: only. (laughs) um, Mark, let's actually – let's take a quick break. Let's uh, let 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 me go get that carrot um, from somewhere in this building. Uh, we'll come back and we will answer all of your burning, haha, pun <laughs> questions about this topic. Stick with us.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset—hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing
1: Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time! So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
2: Okay, we are back. Thanks so much for listening to us today. We are joined by Dr. Jonathan Aviv, a uh, world-famous uh, ENT, and really an expert on acid reflux, the author uh, of the Acid Watcher cookbook, and uh, really schooling uh, both Mark and I on this very important topic, which we apparently know very little about. Uh, we've talked about how all the things that I love in life are bad for me and are going to destroy my esophagus, um, but I am hopeful that uh, by reading the cookbook and speaking more with Dr. Aviv, I'm going to figure out how to neutralize these foods and, and make them less acidic, uh, less destructive uh, to my precious, precious esophagus. Uh, Mark, you had another question that you were itching to answer before I interrupted you.
1: So in the past, we all think that we have reflux, also known as heartburn, and we could take a medication like Tums or or Nexium or Pepsin and we'll get better. Um, it sounds like you're saying that that might only help a select few of people, uh, but for chronic conditions, they actually, the only way to get better is to actually change your diet and your behaviors. Um, there's no medication that's just a pepsin inhibitor, right?
0: Correct. And people, as they go online and they read about, they say, "Okay, well, I'm just going to get rid of my pepsin." I, I would not pursue that because uh, pepsin's always coming up. The key thing is, as we said, it's only a handful of things that you need to watch out for. Really, there's no health benefit to soda, so. Or, or, or bottled iced tea. So we're talking about four things, what I call the four under four. Citrus, tomato sauce, not tomato, vinegar, wine. Except for wine, you could neutralize citrus, you could neutralize vinegar, you could neutralize tomato sauce or make it in a way that's not acidic. And that's what our books are about. So when you think about it, it's really not a lot Of things you have to do what are we normally told by our doctors you need radiation chemotherapy and organ removal what i'm saying is, wait for what for whatever malady it is no no no
1: but let's get back to actually when people have reflux disease they're told by their doctors well you know you need to put bricks under your mattress to raise the head of your bed so that it causes gravity the acid not to come up
0: not always so you again you bring up a fabulous point so the stomach takes three to four hours to empty If one lies down two hours after your last meal or snack, 50% of the stomach is still full. So when you lie down, gravity is lost and things can come up the other way. Mm -hmm. So, and the hardest thing we ask patients is not to stay away from the four under four. The hardest thing is to stay up for three to four hours after your last meal. So- there are 12, what I call the dumbfounded dozen food myths. One of them is that coffee and chocolate are acidic and we hear low acid coffee, that's nonsense. Coffee has a pH of six. The problem with coffee and chocolate as far as a refluxer is, is a chemical called methyl xanthine. And what xanthine does, which is common to both coffee and chocolate, it loosens the lower esophageal sphincter muscle and it increases hydrochloric acid production by the stomach. So if you don't have heartburn as a complaint, you can have your morning cup of coffee, if you're really worried and you have symptoms, say heartburn from that, take a pepsi in the morning. You have to think about what I call the standard American diet or SAD. And <laughs> the standard American diet, what will have the biggest meal at the end of the day and the cherry on top will be an espresso, an iced coffee, a little chocolate cake. So what happens? You're going to lie down a good two hours later. So half the stomach is still going to be full, and you've loosened your lower esophageal sphincter, which protects and prevents stomach acid from flying up, till about 3, 4 in the morning. Wow. You see what's going on. That's why we say the the Acid Watcher diet is not a deprivation diet. You can have your coffee. You can have your chocolate, provided you don't have a condition that's really, really serious, and most people do not. So have it in the morning. If, if you get symptomatic, take a Pepsid. But... One caveat to all of this, when you make a dietary change, please go over this with your physician. Don't just start making big moves without going over this with someone who knows you well medically.
1: So when Chris switches from wine to vodka, he should tell somebody? Well,
0: so (laughs) so again, (laughs) so I I will call this the, the Kelly Martini, right, which is... A Tito on the rocks, so a corn-based vodka on the rocks with a watermelon cucumber puree. So corn and potato vodka have pH around 8. Oh, that's good. Right. So, but don't throw orange juice in there. I have learned something. But, you know, watermelon cucumber, which because of the lycopenes in watermelon, the lignin in cucumber is very anti-inflammatory. That's what we give to our performers when they're on tour or in the studio in lieu of steroids. You add that to your vodka. I'm not saying have it on the regular, but uh, it's 85 degrees and it's 6 p.m. Friday night. You want to drink. There's your beverage.
1: Gotcha. What about cranberry juice? Horrible. <laughs> so I should put this one away?
0: Well, again— it's classic. It's, it's a flavored beverage in a can or a bottle. It's incredibly acidic.
1: Mm. Sorry, Mark. You're doomed. What are the most common symptoms of reflux disease? What should people be looking for? Uh, and when do they decide to go see an ENT doctor or a gastroenterologist? So
0: I divide the symptoms into gastrointestinal symptoms, which are heartburn and regurgitation. Regurgitation meaning you feel food repeating on you or coming up. And then there are throat symptoms, the classics cough, hoarseness, throat clearing, lump-like sensation in the throat, and post-nasal drip.
1: Okay, so all our people who have continued symptoms and have been sent for sinus surgery that doesn't make a difference and told they have allergies and the anti-allergy medications don't make a difference, they should be trying to change their diet to see if that resolves their symptoms.
0: You know, start with Dr. Eisenberg and Dr. Kelly. (laughs) Let's let's get the first thing first. The best ENTs around. If- They're not solving the problem or not guiding enough for symptom resolution. See your ear, nose, and throat doctor. Let them examine you. What if you have a polyp in your nose? What if there's uh, some area of severe inflammation or an ulcer in your throat? You need to know these things because that will change how you're managed. Very often, it's a combination. There is acid coming up, and there is acid going down, and you've got to address both issues. Bottom line, it's probably not a good idea to drink wine in bed. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> which i have done before
1: there, there goes your weekend chris yeah yeah um, I have no
2: i have no plans at this point now
1: what procedure should any patient expect to possibly get if they go to an ent doctor or a gi doctor in terms of working up their uh their symptoms
0: at the ear nose and throat level we're able to use a tiny little camera to look at your sinuses and throat area and and often see exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. The gastroenterologist will typically do a procedure called an upper GI endoscopy, Mm -hmm. which is generally performed under some type of sedation to make sure there's nothing serious going on in the esophagus, stomach, or in the upper part of the small intestine. Gotcha.
1: Chris, any questions? No, my world has been rocked.
2: Thank you very much for all this information. Very interesting. And uh, I'm still going to drink wine, but I'm going to do it with a guilty conscience now.
1: (laughs) I always have the Acid Watcher Diet Cookbook on my desk. So whenever someone comes to my office, they could always borrow it.
2: Dr.
0: Aviv, thank you so much for joining us uh, for all this really, really wonderful information. Appreciate having you on. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. And look forward to your next publication.
1: And and you know, you're uh, the first uh, guest that's actually ever called both of us gentlemen this is true
2: <laughs> were you more used to scoundrel
0: <laughs> John thank you so much you guys are fantastic thank you
2: if you like the show be sure to subscribe leave a review follow us on social and tell all your friends to listen Am I Dying is a production of Off Script Media our executive producer is Matthew Zachary Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more
0: information, visit offscript.com.